and welcome to the Jasmine Star Show. My guest today is long awaited, long anticipated, and she is here to deliver the goods. Lisa Bilyeu co-founded Quest Nutrition, and I have to tell you guys, it grew, I think something like 57,000%. That's a thing. That's a thing, you guys. I'm not even making this up. And not only did she help co-found a business that grew 57,000% in just three years, it was also ranked number two in Inc. 5000. And then in 2014, it sold for a billion dollars, billion with a B. Today, she co-founds Impact Theory Studios. This is a digital first studio that hosts Impact Theory and Impact of Women podcast. Now, I have to tell you, the reason I'm very excited to have Lisa on the podcast today is because she unpaused her life and she co-founded a billion dollar company in five years. And then she later became a leader in personal development. So the reason why Lisa is a perfect fit for this podcast is she has been right where you are and she has learned the art of unpausing. I just want to start off by saying, Lisa, thank you so much for being on the Jasmine Star Show. Oh my God, such an honor, homie. So glad uh, to be here. Let's change some lives. Yeah. Yes. That's, you know what I would say? Well, that's a tall order, but for somebody like you, that's just what you do on the daily. So in order for us to get on the same page, I want to start always with the listener first. So if you're listening, I have a question for you. Is there a mean voice that's stopping you from going after what you truly want? Is that voice there saying, you know, are you enough? Are you doing enough? Are you moving fast enough? Do you have enough money? Are you doing the right thing? And I don't know about you, but many times we've been told to silence or push down that voice or be more kind to ourselves. Now, I get it and I love it, but there's also a lot of skeptics who are like, okay, that's not working. Well, I'm excited because Lisa believes that you can use that main voice to actually empower you to do the things that you're scared of. Lisa, can you expound on using that mean voice to actually empower us? Oh my God, yes. And I love that this is where we started because this to me was, every time I get asked, where do you get your confidence from? How did you do what you do? I'm like, the, the first thing I had to do is shut the negative voice up in my head, either shut it off or try to use it to my advantage. But I knew that if I just let it speak loudly without doing anything about it, it would keep me um, paralyzed. It would keep me frozen. It would keep me where I am because I was listening to it. Every time it told me I wasn't good enough, I believed it. Every time it told me that I wasn't worthy, I believed it. And so to your point, everyone was like, no, you should be nice to yourself. Now, when everyone's telling you that and you're trying and you fail, now I just gave my negative voice another reason to be me. Exactly. Exactly. It was like the vicious cycle. I'm like, well, this doesn't work. And so I am always the person, or I try to be the person that doesn't judge the way that I am. I just try to bypass it. So I don't judge the fact that um, I have the negative voice because I tried to shut it down and I didn't. And now I'm just like, this doesn't serve me. And so mm-hmm. if it doesn't serve me, how do I bypass it? So that's actually one key thing for people to write down right now is that is that voice serving you? And if not, then you need to then come up with a solution of how you then change that voice to motivate you, to get you to, um, to your dream, right? That's everything that I do. Does this idea, does this notion, does this thought, does this action serve your goals? Yes or no. And it needs to be binary. So I just made it very binary. And I said, oh, the negative voice is trying to keep me where I am. It's always telling me I'm not good enough. So because this now doesn't serve me, how on earth can I use it? And I like to keep things lighthearted because I can take my negative voice very seriously. So I was like, okay, what analogies can I use to keep it lighthearted? The first thing that came to mind was, oh, it's like my kryptonite. Right now, it is absolutely keeping me where I am. It is paralyzing me. Okay. So what is the opposite to kryptonite? It's a superpower. So I was like, okay, if I could make this my superpower, 
what would that look like? I didn't have the solution. I just knew that it had a, I had a problem and I need to, to change the perspective of which I was seeing it. So I said, how can this be my superpower? And I thought, okay, just like your friend, Jasmine, or your partner, when you say that you want something in life, and they're like really worried. You're like, you know what? Right now, if you go and play in a stadium or sing in a stadium of 10,000 people and you haven't had a singing lesson, maybe as your friend, I'm going to advise you to maybe take some singing lessons, right? Because I want what's best for you. I want you to do great up there. And so I'm just warning you of the trap you may be falling into. So now I'm actually giving you a tip and a tool that you can take away to get more powerful. So I said, all right, this mean girl in my head, what if she was my BFF? What would that look like? Let me listen to her. So it, as an example, I was getting in front of the camera. The very first time that I ever did one of my first episodes of Women of Impact, the negative voice was like, oh my God, you were terrible. Oh my God, you embarrassed yourself. You were a nightmare. And so that can be crippling, but I use the analogy. How can I use this as my superpower? If it was my best friend, what is she trying to warn me? She's saying, Lisa, you weren't prepared. She was saying, Lisa, you didn't know how to end the episode. Okay. Now, if this is my friend warning me, I can take that as amazing advice and I can go and get prepared. I can go. And if the negative voice is saying, you didn't know how to end. So you had crippling anxiety, Lisa. Don't ever do that again. Right. That's what the voice is telling me. And I go, oh, my BFF, put my arm around her. She's actually telling me, Lisa, you kind of have to know how to end the interview. So I Mm. took that piece of information. I came up with a game plan. And then I was able to step back in front of the camera. So the game plan was have a last question. That way, Lisa, if you get paralyzed, if you lose the weight, your track of your conversation, if you're not sure how to end it, you now have a go-to end question that you can throw in at any moment. So that made me relax more. That made me less anxious. That made me more present in the interview. And then the last thing is have a call to action and then write it on a whiteboard under my A camera so that anytime I found myself anxious, I found myself, oh my God, I have no idea how to end. I had an ease. I turned to my A camera. I glanced down. My last catchphrase is down there. I say it and now I'm out. So by listening to the mean girl, by making her your bestie, I took the critic and I made her my coach. Mm, That is so good and applicable to so many aspects of our life. You gave us an example of how you were using this and, and you gave yourself very clear ways to turn your kryptonite into your superpower. You added a CTA at the end of camera A. You had an exit question. You use your crippling anxiety to better prepare. All of these were action items. Okay, so I'm going to read something that's a little bit in line of what you're talking about from a different angle. From Instagram, there is not one person walking this earth that is worth you laying awake at night feeling like you're not good enough. Mm. How did you get to that point? How did we get from the mean girl to who became your coach, kryptonite to your superpower? That's great. But how did you get from, I am okay being shielded from the opinions of others? Oh, that's a very strong question. So um, how did I become okay with opinions of others? Like you wrote, no one is worth laying awake at night wondering that they're not good enough. Perfect. I agree with that. We all agree with that. But how did you, Lisa, get to that point? Because many of us do. We struggle with what is that person saying? And is it having a bearing or effect on me? Yeah. So here's the great 
I don't know if this is great news or bad news. I was like, <laughs> maybe she's right. Like maybe the voice saying, actually, you're not good enough. And here's the thing, but you can get good. So That's right. you actually believe, right? That That's you can right. Get good. The idea of you're not, you not being good enough is not detrimental to your self-esteem. It doesn't now keep me awake at night. I go, oh my God, I'm not good enough. How can I get good? And that right. becomes perspective. That becomes, and that's why I called the book Radical Confidence. It's like, how do you hold two competing ideas in your head that actually I'm terrible right now, but I can get better. And so those are the things where it's like in the past, I used to convince myself, no, no, Lisa, you're just being mean. You are good enough. And this kind of, you know, there's the language that people kind of talk about, like toxic positivity. It's kind of like, look, if, if the feeling of not being good enough keeps you crippled, then that doesn't serve you. So now you need a different mm. language to use in your head. Maybe it is you're not great yet, right? So every time that the thought you're not good enough comes in, you just pivot with a slightly less harmful um, line that encourages you to keep going. But the biggest realization in my life is just going, why is that a bad thing? Why do I take that as a dent to my ego? I can't be great at mm. everything. And so if you're mm. just like, oh, you're not good enough yet. Okay. That's true. And so now it pivots to, so how can I get good? And now this becomes a thought process that allows you to go from something that was literally keeping you paralyzed to now forces you to take action because you're just pivoting it. Like I'm still believing that I'm not good enough, but I'm using that as a way to motivate myself and move forward. So anytime someone says, whether it's myself or the external people telling me I'm not good enough, I just go, is there validation in this comment? Mm. So, you know, or is right now my ego just getting bruised because I want to feel better about myself. And that kind of goes then to understanding what your real goal is in life. Is your goal to feel great about yourself all the time? Or is your goal to like, for me is to create impact. Now, here's the thing. My goal doesn't always align with my feelings. It doesn't always align like to create mm. impact means that I have to push myself. I have to put myself in uncomfortable positions. So you can imagine like getting on stage, public speaking was horrifying to me. Like, horrifying. I wrote a whole chapter about how the hell I gained radical confidence to step on stage because it was petrifying to me. Now imagine my North Star is feeling great about myself. I would never stand on stage. I would never get in front of the camera. You wouldn't know Lisa Billy. So I just decided and it becomes a decision of what is more important, your ego or your goals. Mm, how you feel or what you want. Yeah. So people are listening and they might be very familiar with you. They might be unfamiliar with you. And so in both of those situations, I think it's easy for a listener to be like, well, she's basically the Wonder Woman and <laughs> she has an accent that is enviable. <laughs> so like they look at that and they immediately, what we do as humans is we put distance mm. between the person we're, we're listening to or talking to and immediately trying to find reasons why it works for Lisa and it might not work for them. Can you tell us a little bit, like what's the nutshell version of how you got started where you are today so that people can find where they are at different points of your journey and say, wow, we're a lot more the same than we are different. Thank you so much for asking this question, because this is one of those moments that I was in the same trap. I was looking at other people and it's all right for her, but it's easy for her. So I was, and one of the, the most impactful comments came at just the right time. So my husband was doing this interview and he was interviewing someone called Lisa Nichols. I'm not sure if you know who she is. She's freaking amazing. Motivational speaker. And I'm in the audience and I'm executive producer of my husband's show. So I ha have this guest. I don't really know who she is. Everyone's like so excited. And I'm sitting in the audience at the back and I'm, you know, just like paying attention to making sure the shots are right and making sure that the director's like on, on point. And so I'm kind of in logistic mode and she's sitting there and she's giving this most motivational speech ever. 
And there isn't a dry eye in the house, girl. I'm telling you, every single person is in absolute tears because she's just moving people to their extreme. And I'm sitting there and in my head, I'm like, oh my gosh, she's extraordinary. I was like, oh, she's so good. I could never do that. Like she's so good. I can never do that. And I didn't realize I was saying that to myself. It was just the, the voice that almost, Every time I see someone amazing comes in, it's like, well, this is why you can't do it, Lisa. So it becomes habit. I didn't realize that was a thought pattern I had. And as I'm literally having this habitual thought pattern, she turns around and she says, don't make me extraordinary to let yourself off the hook. Ooh. And I was like, hold the phone. Let me repeat that. Holy smoke. Because in that moment, I was making her extraordinary. And the thought pattern that was in my mind was, she's so good, I could never do that. And literally, as I'm thinking that, she's like, stop doing that. I've been doing this for 10 years. I've been on stage. I've been motivating people. I have learned. And here I was making her extraordinary as a way for me to not even try. And so Mm. I really want to start there because that hit me so hard. So if everyone can embrace that notion, then I think this next part will really hit home. Where it's, you may hear who I am today. But the truth was, I was the person, I was a stay-at-home wife, I was taking care of my husband, I was cooking for him, cleaning for him every single day because I was a people pleaser. I was brought up as a traditional Greek Orthodox woman who believed her goal in life, her goal, the end game was to be married. That was it. That was what I was taught as a little girl. I would fall on the floor, skim my knee, my grandmother would come running over and she'd be like, oh, you'll be okay by the time you get married. Like that was her, that was her way of consoling me. That the the blood and the tears would be all gone by the time you're married. So don't worry. So flash forward, I end up getting trapped in that exact life. And for eight years, I thought I needed the confidence to say I wanted a different life. I thought I needed to be grateful for everything I had. And that meant that I can't speak up when something Mm -hmm. else isn't right. So I was using the gratitude piece for the first few years. It was like, you know what, Lisa, this is for the greater good. You're just going to do it for a year. That was my husband's agreement. We're just going to do it for a couple of years. He was going to make enough money. And then we're going to go make movies because that was our dream. I studied filmmaking. So we came up with this plan. So I was like, oh, I can be a housewife for a year. I can do that for the greater good. I can do that for the greater good. How many of us say that? It's only for a year. I can sacrifice. I don't mind doing it. And then what ends up happening is, you sacrifice and you sacrifice and you sacrifice for everybody else but yourself. And now you find yourself, which I did those first few years to get through, I was saying, well, Lisa, you should be grateful. You've got a you know roof over your head. You've got a husband that loves you. And I think gratitude can be beautiful. I think gratitude can absolutely change your negativity into a positive one. It can shift your perspective of you know, woe is me into, wow, I actually have beautiful things in my life. The problem was I started to use that and I kept using it in year three, in year four, in year seven, and in year eight. So that it came to the point in year eight, where I was the person that I thought I was ungrateful. Like how ungrateful are you, Lisa, to say that you're unhappy when you have a husband that loves you, when you have a roof over your head. So this gratitude that had been beautiful at the beginning of my, um, my path on my journey ended up being the absolute thing that kept me crippled. So because of that, I was telling myself that I was completely ungrateful. I was telling myself that I needed to have the confidence to speak up, which I didn't have the confidence. And so I kept going, making everybody else happy except for myself. I was teased as a kid, so I didn't have good, like high self-esteem. I was teased for my looks. I was teased for my name. So I definitely had the mindset of 
that I wasn't good enough and that I need to be in my lane and I need to stay in my place and I can't ruffle any feathers. Um, and so that was a long way of saying that's basically where I came from. Um, so hopefully that just orients people into the last 15 years of the work that I've done on myself, on my mindset and of mm. taking complete ownership over my own life, not looking outwards, not blaming my Greek family because I had the mindset that I would be a stay-at-home wife, not blaming my husband. I look at myself and I take ownership over the fact I didn't speak up. I didn't make the change. I chose to take fine as a life. And let's face it, how many of us as kids, when someone said to you, girl, what do you want to be when you grow up? No one says, I want to be fine. Mm. Right. Everyone says, I want to be an astronaut. I want to be a teacher. We all have these big dreams. But as we get older, we find ourselves settling because we use things like gratitude and we settle into a life that doesn't make us happy. And it left me with every day, me living the life of just fine. Mm. So when you talk about the gap between having the confidence to say what it is that would make you happy or to try something new, can I assume that that became the impetus of the book? Because I'm going to read one of my favorite quotes from the book. Mm. Radical confidence is knowing that failure isn't a dirty word. You can get back up. So when was a time that you had to get back up after being pushed down? But the reason I'm asking that particular question is after you made the declaration, eight years of being a stay-at-home wife who's very grateful, and then you decided to kind of have like a, a different shift in saying, I'm going to vocalize what it is that I want. And so it took a moment of courage to actually say those things and then pursue those things. And then what was something that happened, knocked you down, where you then had to say, I must choose again to step into confidence? I love this. And thank you for getting granular. That is definitely where I love to live because I want to be so freaking tactical that if someone's mm -hmm. listening to this right now, thank they're you. like, okay, thank I you. feel this, but I don't know thank what that you. first step is. I love that girl. So here's the thing. So many people, and I'm sure you've interviewed so many of these people where they hit rock bottom. And rock bottom jolts you into action. Rock bottom mm. is that moment where you're like, well, I've got nothing else to lose, so I may as well, right? Mm. And it's the may as well that gets you to try things. That's it. The may as well mm. just gets you to take action on something, right? It doesn't even matter what it is. And it's the taking action on something that then propels you to move forward. Now, if you're someone like me who was stuck, I call it purgatory of the mundane, where every day I just felt stuck in a life that was just fine. It was Quest that actually came along. So Quest ended up coming along as like the startup company, my husband and his business partners. I won't go down. It's just a long story, but they, they decided they weren't happy. And so after eight years of me supporting my husband, they were going to do something predicated on passion and a mission. So my husband comes home and as the true Greek wife, I said to him, babe, how can I help with this new startup? So he's like, okay, well, you know, we just need you to help cut the bars, you know, with rolling pins and knives. And we just, because you're the only one that's not working. Hold on, Lisa. I have to, it is such a good story and it is quite long, but, but Quest Nutrition was creating nutrition bars. And so I want to make sure that everybody's actually getting like the actual function. What was the product? So Tom's business partners decide to go and do something else. Tom comes home and he's like, when, when you talked about like rolling pins and cutting bars, I want to make sure like people are like, we're not cutting bars of gold here. We're Thank actually you. talking yes. about a nutrition bar. So you Thank say, you. how can I help you? And he's like, let's bring out rolling pins. Yes. So thank you for that. So the eight years we were, we had turned into, we were trying to make enough money to make movies, but then mm -hmm. it turned into just make money, 
right? Over the years, the dream evolves or the dream kind of lets go of the core of the heart of it. And then it's just like, it became a, well, we want to, you know, we want a bigger house, we want a better car, whatever. And so after eight years, I realized it wasn't making us happy. Like mm. it was making us actually worse. We were better off not chasing money and just trying to, you know, um, make these gritty movies. We would have been better off doing it. We would have been happier. So after eight years of chasing money, it came to a point where I said to my husband, I'm willing to gamble anything except for my relationship with you. And mm. right now, after eight years of me being miserable and you being miserable, we're gambling with our marriage. And so we had agreed that we would never do that. And so when we said that, we realized I was profoundly unhappy. He was profoundly unhappy. And neither of us were really communicating it. We were sensing it, but neither of us said, this is the most unhappiest I've ever been. So it was in that initial situation where we just said, what are we actually doing? Like, what is the goal? Like, what is the actual goal? Because it has evolved and we haven't addressed it. So right now, what is that goal? And it was for us to make movies, but it turned into money. So. We need now to pivot. What does that pivot look like? This is where a mission comes into play. You must, anything in life that you do, I'm telling you, you've got to start with your mission. Because if you're sitting there right now and you're hating your life and you actually don't know what to do and you don't have the confidence, like you said, you don't know how to get started, you don't even know what to do. The place to start is what is pulling at your heartstrings? Now, as you start to realize what's pulling at your heartstrings, you need to give yourself the space to explore what that looks like. Because to your point is, where do you know where to go? What direction do you know what to go into? Because there might, it might be easy to say, like, my mission is to help people. What on earth does that mean? How on earth do you know where to get started? Because if you don't believe in yourself and you don't actually have clarity on your mission, then you really don't know where to go. So for me and my husband, it was, okay, we've chased money for eight years. We've seen where that gets us. Now let's do everything predicated on a mission. Okay. Mm. What's that mission? The mission is how do I get up every single day and fight? Like you even said, the failure part of it. Like that's the thing where we all are so worried about failure. We're so worried about trying anything new that is going to bring us to our knees that we don't get started in the first place because we're worried about our ego. We're worried about how we feel about ourselves. So that's why I think people don't get started in the first place. So that's why step one is you need to know what your mission is. Because if you fail, you need that mission to pull you through. If you mess up, if you're inadequate, if you're not good enough, you need to have that mission to pull you through. Now, I'm sure you're thinking, how the hell do I know what my mission is? Right. So many people are saying, oh, find your purpose. Well, let me tell you, you don't just find it. It's not like you look under you know, a seat right. and be like, oh, I wasn't looking for it. Right. It is. Your mission and your purpose actually takes you to take action and explore. So think about it as kids. I don't know about you, but like I took a piano lesson. I took karate lessons. I took Greek classes. Like I took all these different things. And as kids, we try all these new things. And then we end up leaning into the thing that we really love. But we don't do that as adults. So right now, before people get all caught up on, I don't know what path I'm going to take. I don't know what my mission is. I don't know my passion. I know that I'm stuck, but I don't know where to go. The beautiful thing is right now, I just want you to take maybe a month, maybe two months. You can decide. But you're going to give yourself the space to play. And that means you're going to write a list of all the interests you may have. 
And so now you write these interests. So let's say, for instance, you're like, I've always wanted to get in front of the camera. Okay, great. You're going to try it. You're going to stick an iPhone in front of your face and you're going to do an interview with your friend. Did you like it? Did you feel good after it? Did you hate it? Assess how you felt. And now that becomes an indicator of what your mission can potentially be. Oh, you know what? As I was really helping people, I realized that's my mission. It made me feel so good when I got on the phone and I gave an hour long advice to somebody, let's just say. I felt really good. Okay. Now you take stepping stones in leaning into it because there can be so many different avenues and areas you can try. So let's stick with impact for a second. And this is so nuanced that thank you for giving me the space to really peel it apart. I love it. So let's say, for instance, you want impact. That ended up being my North Star. How did I discover impact? I started with Quest. I was just helping my husband. So they decided we want to um, do a company predicated on a mission. The mission was, especially for my husband, he's grew up in a morbidly obese family. So he said, all right, I can wake up every day and fight for my mom and my sister. I can fight to help them. I can fight to help them get better, healthier, and live longer. So what does that look like? It can be a protein bar. Oh, hang on a minute. Does the protein bar align with the mission? Actually, it does. Because if I get up every day and I develop a protein bar that my mom and my sister can eat, will it help them? Yes. Can I get up every day and figure that out? Yes. So the protein bar was almost the answer to a mission. So Mm -hmm. that's why you need the mission first. Now, we decided it was a protein bar. It could have been, I want to be a trainer. I want to create a YouTube channel of exercises. I want to create a network because I may be terrible at exercise, but you know what? I've got five friends that are amazing. I've got a friend that's great at yoga. I've got a friend that's great at kickboxing. And so actually my mission is impact. My mission is giving longevity. Let's just say, right, if we want to get granular, giving longevity to the people in my life, what does that look like? Here are all my options. A protein bar, start my own gym, create my own YouTube channel. And now which one do I want to do? I don't know. I may start one and absolutely hate it. And that's why you need to pause, address what mission you want to have in your life, test it out, experiment, ask yourself, can I get up every day for this? And then come up with different variations that align with that mission. And then what you're going to do is you're going to give yourself the grace. And that is important of just being in the exploration mode. I would put it in my calendar. I would say, all right, I've got three months, three months. Now I'm going to play month one. And I have to get granular because I can get in my own head about the insecurities. And Lisa, who are you to start your own YouTube channel? Lisa, you don't know how to start protein bar, right? All of these things. But that's why the plan is important. Radical confidence means you don't feel great about yourself to get started, but you can get started. And so how do you get out of your own way? Create a plan that now becomes binary. So we've established the mission. We've established all the different areas that you can try. And now day one, I'm going to do an exercise video. And I'm like, did I enjoy that? I'm going to put it up. What do people think? Maybe I'm too scared to even put it up because I don't have the confidence yet. Okay. You don't have to put it up. This is just for you. It's UVU. Did you enjoy it? Is that something you can do every day if you had an obstacle in your way? So now going, it was a very long answer, but now going back to the question that you asked about failure, 
about fearing if I fail and what that says about me, you can understand that if you've done all the foundation work, if you've really laid out everything that I've just said, where you've got your North Star, you know why you're getting up every day. You've tested out these different avenues that really make your heart sing. You're like, you know what? I was petrified, but I kind of liked getting in front of the camera. Amazing. Now, tomorrow, you're going to do something different. Now, tomorrow, you're going to get in front of the camera and maybe you're going to show someone. Maybe tomorrow you're going to get in front of the camera and you're going to do a 20-minute interview instead of a 10-minute interview. Mm. And these all become ways that you can assess the life where you're stuck now, that next step that you want to take, and then small, little, incremental movements into that direction where you can get out of your own head of um, where it's trying to tell you you're not good enough. You shouldn't do it. Like you should be fine. You need to be grateful. All these things that can absolutely get in our way. If you lay out and execute on these little steps, step by step, you just keep moving forward. And then over time, with everything that I've just said, it becomes you get better and better. And as you get better, you become competent. And once you've got the competence, that that's the moment that you start to feel good about it. You start to go, oh, I have confidence now. Mm. So all of that, it feels so good. And if people are unfamiliar with you, I think that people like myself, when I first started getting to know you, would be surprised that you are a sensitive person and that you struggled with fitting in. I remember reading an Instagram post about how you dyed your hair blonde in mm-hmm. high school and because the pretty girl in high school was tall and blonde and blue eyed and she obviously dated the good looking tall guy who was also blonde hair and blue eyed. And in that post, it broke my heart because he asked you to prom as a joke. Right. Yeah. Okay. We don't call it prom, but yes. Okay. Okay. So he asked you to a dance. He asked you to something as, as, as a joke and kind of being a person who kind of struggled a little bit along those lines. You might hear that. And somebody's like, she's sensitive. She was the butt of some jokes. She tried to fit in. Now, would you say that you're a naturally confident person? And then if you're not, how did you find the courage (laughs) to do that? (laughs) Well, this is actually why I wrote the book in the first place. Right. People are just like, oh my God, Lisa, teach me about your confidence. And even now to this day, I'm like, who the hell are they talking to? Because you need to listen to how negative the voice in my head is still to this day. And so going from, right, you even introduced me like, oh, that felt great. Like, oh my God, help build a billion dollar company. You know, Impact Theory, our, my company now has over 500 million views in our content. And it's just like, so it feels great. But the truth is, every day I wake up with the idea and the notion of who do you think you are, Lisa? And so Mm -hmm. even with the book, a year and a half ago, I've achieved all of this. And a year and a half ago, I got approached to write the book, write a book. And the very first word, the very first words out of my mouth when I was, "Mm -hmm." my husband's like, why are you being so nonchalant about this offer? And I was like, well, babe, who would buy a book from me? And so the immediate notion is that, of course, I am always insecure when I try anything new. And the evolution that has been Lisa Billu is that I used to let it hold me back. I used to let that dictate my worth. And now I don't. And now I just go, oh, she's still there. Bless her cotton socks. She's still there. And you know what? It's okay, Lisa, because I got you. And I now take that voice with me 
and I'm say, I say, all right, so how, how do I have the old leases back? How do I show up today? And so that going back, going back to like, it was my kryptonite. I believed I was no good. This boy literally asks me to this dance and it was it wasn't even that it was a joke that that's kind of like the heartbreaking thing. If it was a joke and he just laughed at me after he asked me, I, I think I might have, that may have been better than the fact that it was a trap. So he asked me so that I would turn up and he was dancing with the popular girl in school. And then he started <sighs> laughing at me. So I literally turn up at the dance thinking that he's going to, I'm going to have his first dance. And he's on the <gasps> dance floor with the blonde girl and they look over and they laugh. And now here's what ha- I went and told all my friends. I was so excited. The popular boy asked me to a dance and no one told me. Everyone knew. Everyone knew it was a setup. Oh, God. So let's let the heartbreak sink in for a second. I know. And go, how do we not let those things define how we show up? How do we not let those things dictate mm-hmm. our self-worth? that's it it's not about pretending it didn't happen it's not about you know saying well that was the old me it's just like oh there is parts of me that still gets triggered there's still parts of me that is still insecure and instead of trying to beat it down or pretend it isn't I just greet her and I just say I know why you're there but you know what I'm an adult now and I have control over my actions and even though you feel insecure about writing this book I'm going to help you get through it Now, the help get through it doesn't mean blind confidence. It means you have radical confidence. It means you have no idea what you're doing. You're absolutely inadequate to take this challenge on. But you know and you believe that you have the power and the control to figure it out. That's it. I have the control to get back up. It's in no one else's hands, right? You have no effect on whether I get back up. My husband has no effect on whether I get back up. If I fall down metaphorically, I do. And you want to know what? That's where I build my self-worth. I build my self-worth in the fact that when I fall, I get back up. And so now you can understand how that slight pivot in perspective, in identity, becomes so freaking powerful. Because now I don't let the old Lisa dictate how I show up. I greet her and I empower her to do something different. I empower her to get back up. And again, that is not dictated by anyone else but me. Mm. Mm. When you talk about how everybody knew that you told your friends and people knew, um, you also wrote something on Instagram, quote, you can't talk butterfly language with caterpillar people. So what tools have you used to be okay moving away from caterpillars and, and finding butterflies? Oh my God. I love this. So It really is who do you surround yourself with and who makes you feel like the butterfly that you can fly no matter what. And so taking an assessment of the language you use, the language people around you use, and then um, acknowledging where you are. So a big thing you hear me just say all the time is self-assessment with no judgment. That's it. Because I can't get out of traps that I fall into. I can't evolve and get better if I keep beating myself up over the traps I keep falling into. All I can do is give myself grace to actually be honest with myself, acknowledge them, and then go come up with a strategy to pivot in the other direction. So if I'm surrounded by people that are always negative, 
I don't beat myself up. It's like, oh my God, I can't believe I'm here again. Lisa, I knew it, right? Don't, that doesn't serve me. But I go, does this mentality, do these people around me serve me? Do they lift me up? If not, then what am I going to do? Because it is all on me. Like the ownership piece is so huge that if we can just own the amount of, the amount of times, Jasmine, oh my God, the amount of times people say to me, oh, I didn't have a choice. I want to like literally wring their freaking necks and wring my own as well. It's like, you did have a choice. You just don't like the choices. So like I had this, and I'm, I hope this answers your question, but like I was um, in our Empathy University and I do this coaching. And so I had a student come on and we did a Q&A and she asked me, she was like, look, I've started my own business. It's, I've been dreaming of this business my entire life and I've just started it, but I've got a newborn baby. And so every day my, my dad comes over and every day he sits at dinner and he keeps telling me how much I'm neglecting my newborn baby. And she's like, I know what I'm doing. I know why I'm doing it. I feel so alive with you know my new business and I know that I'll be a better mother. So she's done all the internal work of why it is right for her to have a business and a newborn baby. And she's like, but Lisa, every time, every evening my soul is crushed and I feel badly about myself because my dad keeps telling me that I should be spending more time with my kid and so I was like okay well how you know we'll just don't have your dad over for dinner and she was like I can't do that and I was like uh does he have a door key and she's like no and I'm like so you open the door and let him in and she's like yeah and I'm like so you do have a choice mm. now look I, I get you may hate the choices I get that you may, you may say to yourself, there's no way I'm never not going to let my dad in. Amazing. Now you have made your choice. But it's the positions that we put ourselves in that we don't think we have an option. We don't think we have the choice. And then we feel like our power is taken away from us. And we don't feel like we have the strength or the confidence to act. But the truth is we give up the power. We then allow other people to walk over us. We don't hold strong to our boundaries. And then we feel like we are inadequate or powerless to show up for ourselves. And I actually don't even remember the question that you asked, but um, <laughs> no, it, no, it was exactly that. It was how do we step away from caterpillars mm. and find butterflies? And actually what you said was a beautiful high 30,000 foot answer. And this is us being in control and being cognizant of the decisions we're making because we, we will make a decision. It's a whether or not we're cognizant of it. And then you share this story, this story of how you did coaching. And so I actually think you're answering this by saying you can go and find butterflies and you can also go and invest in butterflies yes. and I think that the community that you are building and the community that we both aspire to build as we connect with people both in a free capacity and in a paid capacity is to like surround yourself with like-minded people now if you are listening and you want to be surrounded by Lisa that is the butterfly I mean there's nobody in the world who would call you a caterpillar queen <laughs> nobody 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 you would like the challenge to be honest I mean I Oh, Lord have mercy. Uh, so where can they go to first? I would say like the book is such a great place to start to actually get the tools because there's so many things we wanted to talk about, like the 10 life lessons to achieve anything you set your mind to. I, I wanted to get into that, but I want to make sure that we're focusing on number one, getting people to know you, like you, trust you and want to dig a little deeper. Where can they go to find your book, Radical Confidence? 
Oh, thank you, my homie. So yeah, they can go to radicalconfidence.com and I actually have a nine class coaching session that I'm giving away for free. Um, if you order the book and then you go just into your details, I'm all about impact in case you haven't realized. So my North Star is that. Um, so everything I do is definitely making sure that I show up. So if people have found this interview, you know, impactful and there's a couple of nuggets of gold in here that they can really take away. Because again, I'm all about tactics and not just making you feel great about yourself, but actually giving you tools that you can take in moments where you don't feel good about yourself but you still want to keep showing up because to me that is the hardest thing that is the thing how do we get out of our own way so you can go to radicalconfidence.com you can go check me out at lisa billu on instagram and tiktok and all of those good places Mm, lisa thank you for sharing so generously of your experience practical tools in turning our kryptonite into our superpower the same way that we would change from a caterpillar to a butterfly you are a genius thank you so much i appreciate you i appreciate you too homie thank you so much for having me on 